0: Welcome to the latest episode of Ralph's Rant. My guest today is Ollie Alderton. Ollie is a former Special Forces soldier and has also written two books called Breakpoint and Bat Ready, along with a fictional piece called Scar Tissue. So, Ollie, thanks a million for taking time out to come on the show. And how are you keeping today?
1: Yeah, good. Thanks, Richie. And thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. So, yeah, I'm doing really good today, as I am every day. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's, um, yeah. Oh, good this end
0: good to hear good to hear and usually when i get a guest on i go into depth about their childhood but <laughs> today i don't want to you know go too deep into it but one of the things i'm always intrigued especially with people with your backgrounds and kind of adventurous life stories, so to speak mm. like when you think back to your early early days six seven eight i know there's obviously a big moment when and um, you were 10 years old but say before that when you were grown up you were kind of oblivious to what was ahead of you and what you were going to become as a human being uh, so to speak was there any person was there any you know famous person that you gravitated towards was there ever something that interested you at that age or as i said was it say someone in the family a brother a a relation that kind of you gravitated towards and used kind of as inspiration and in how you'd act at that early age.
1: Yeah. To be quite honest, mate, in the, in the question lies the problem because I had that real traumatic incident at 10. Anything be- mm. before 10 is really sketchy for me. I can't remember, um, much at all. Um, so, and that was, that's because of that traumatic incident. It's almost like my life began at 10 as opposed to, you know, a, a life before the incident. So, um, it's a tough one for me to really, uh, to pinpoint anything around that time because, you know, this period before I was 10, then, then the period after I was, I was 10 was, was, was pretty much mayhem. So mm. I don't think, uh, I was, I was too wrapped up in my own world to have any sort of um, mentors or, or any, but, um, my, my brother's always been an inspiration to me and I think I always looked up to my brother. Well, I don't think, I know I did. Um, he's 18 months older than me and, um, yeah, he's he's always inspired me. He's he's done very well, and um, he's you know he's he's a great guy.
0: Good to hear. Well, I know it's a it's a story that it's been recycled in your mind and in most of your your interviews, mm. and as you refer to it there, the incident. And there's a lot of listeners who be listening to this first time and wouldn't be aware of what happened. And even I know in your latest interviews or even books, you talk about how you've only recently come to terms with what happened. Um, and you've had to kind of evaluate it and really dig deep into your your inner soul and inner mind to kind of realize what effect it had on you. But just to give some of the listeners who haven't heard it before, like talk us through exactly what happened and the effects, the immediate effects it had on you uh, when you were at that age.
1: Um, Yeah, okay, well, I'll I'll talk through the the, the incident. And um, I was 10 years old. It was Burton-on-Trent, which is in the Midlands um, where I grew up. And it was summer holidays, knock on the door. Brother's best mate was there asking if we wanted to go swimming. And uh, my mum was absolutely thrilled to get us out of the house, get us out of her hair and uh, pack yeah. us up with a towel and swimming trunks and off we went. And um then as we got to the... Uh, to the um bridge that went over the river trent we saw something amazing in front of us amazing for a 10 year old boy anyway um and that was the circus was setting up in town so that walk turned into a very fast-paced run before we knew it we were at the big top and we went to the first person we saw and just said hey can we have a look around and you gotta imagine 1980 was no health and safety um and there we were inside the big top and there was elephants it was all like your standard kind of um circus animals, um, all on chains and, and everything. And I was kind of drawn to the other, other side of the marquee where there was a split in, split in the canvas, which was the door. Uh, mm. And the light was kind of sh- just shining through the crack. And I separated from my brother and his best mate. And before I knew it, I was pulling open the, the doorway and the sun hit me straight in the eyes, blurred my vision. When my vision cleared, there was something that was even more amazing than the circus, and that was a baby chimp. And you know, I, w- I was those that sort of know. Um, I was actually actually infatuated with uh, with Tarzan at that that age. And um, for me, seeing that chimp in front of me, it was almost like a it was like a little piece of Hollywood. And um, yeah. it was cheetah, and I was drawn to it. You know, I was brought up with cats and dogs, but there was a chimp straight in front of me, so I was compelled to go into this sort of open area, uh, which was enclosed with tents and trailers and all kinds of stuff before I know it I'm over the over this chimp I'm 10 years old so I'm not a hell of a lot bigger than this baby chimp um and uh, all of a sudden it looked up and it, it sounds weird but <laughs> we connected and uh, you know it's like a surreal moment it was it was unbelievable um all of a sudden the, the chimp goes down and it starts picking food from the floor and starts passing it to me and I'm like Ugh, I don't want to eat that, but this is an amazing moment. I didn't want to break the moment. So I was going through the motions, chucking the food over my shoulder. It all seemed like it was going on for a lifetime, but it's probably only a few seconds. And and that moment, that serenity was broken like a fighter jet cutting through the sky as I heard this roar, this this fierce roar. And it immediately I looked up and I could see something moving underneath the trailer um, beyond the chimp the baby chimp and that um that movement then turned into what was clearly a very very big chimp uh which was either mummy or daddy um probably about 50 kilograms well i didn't get a chance to weigh it believe me but it it was big it was big and it was making its way for me uh, to me at mac 10 this is all happening really quickly but it seemed like it was almost you know motion picture um sort of slow and um and then uh, just at the moment, I thought about, you know, I need to make, I need to move. I was like a deer in the headlights. Uh, this thing pounced and it, you know, all of a sudden the blue sky turned to black and this thing pinned me to the floor. And then it was, you know, it, then it went about me just, just thrashing that. Their- the living shit out of me and um you know it was like a drummer in a rock band sat on top of my chest just going mental the first fist in my chest just absolutely winded me and then it just you know there's a massive barrage of fists coming down uh and then it started to to try and bite me i was just i was just in survival mode and um but i knew at that point this this attack you know it, very quickly i i knew that i was gonna if i didn't do something i was gonna die and it was that fight or flight moment and um it wasn't something i thought about but i had to do something and um i managed to pluck up the courage to take the fight to the chimp and uh, managed to dislodge it slightly it gave me a f- it gave me a few inches to to get my knee up to my chest and I-, I kicked it off um it then fell to the floor and that gave me a few seconds managed to scurry back and I-, I i was then sat there and and this thing was on the final sort of charge the final attack and as it just before got to me um it was caught by a chain, you know, and it was, it was covered in blood and it was my blood. Um, I managed to get to my feet. Um, you know, and, uh, I was a right mess and the whole place erupted. Um, all the circus workers came out, you know, my arm was a proper mess where it torn chunks out my arm and, um, it wasn't a pretty sight. Uh, and then the story goes on and, um, and really, you know, for those that have read the book and my books, I caught gangrene in my arm, almost lost my arm and, and yada, yada, yada. So, um, But the thing is, the reason I tell that story is because it was such a defining moment of my life, especially, you know, in in hindsight, looking back Um, Mm. and, you know, childhood trauma is such a, it has such a damaging effect on anyone that goes through it. But the big thing for me and the reason why my first book was called Breakpoint, the reason why my business is called Breakpoint is really because of of an ethos and a theory. And that is um, that. In to, in, you know, in life, you have to be prepared to step into the short-term discomfort for any long-term gain. Short-term discomfort for me on that day was actually taking the fights of the chimp as a 10-year-old kid. Knowing full well that that chimp, you know, it's, it's going to up the uh, ante for that chimp and it would uh, retaliate. Yeah. But the uh, long-term gain for me was the fact that I wanted to live that day. And I did. And that is really the ethos for everything um it break points about you know it's about when we want to do anything in life it's not you know i'm not suggesting anyone goes to a circus and finds a chimp to fight with yeah <laughs> uh, but what i'm saying is when you want to change when you want to develop when you want to do anything we're not wired to take the hard route we're wired to avoid stress we're wired to uh, avoid any kind of danger and that if we don't face it head on can lead to a very limited and boring life so really you know it, it's it's really about the small stuff. It's really about setting goals. It's really about pushing through that discomfort of changing negative habits and starting to achieve more in life.
0: Yeah, and to touch on that, I know you mentioned there, say in your book, Breakpoint, and you mentioned as well that short-term discomfort for the long-term gain. When you reached, and I'm sure you know, the seven or eight years that followed, that was something that was traumatic, and rightfully so. I can only imagine what you went through. When you reach eighteen, most eighteen-year-olds I'd I'd know anyway would still be in school. They would be preparing to go to college. They'd maybe go away for a year. You decided to join the Royal Marine Commandos, and you ended up torn in Northern Ireland, and then also also in Iraq. Like, was that something that kind of was spurred on from the incident at age ten, where? You had that experience of short term, you know, discomfort that led to long term game. It made you mentally tougher. It enabled you to realize that you had that switch in you where you could dig deeper than you thought you could. And did that kind of spur you on to do something that in many people's eyes would be deemed brave and commendable, but ultimately risky in the shape of joining the Marines?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And and some people have asked in the past, you know, do you think you'd have still joined the forces if you hadn't have been attacked by the chimp? Um, Which I can't answer that question. I don't know. But I do feel that that really did prepare me. I mean, my life took a. It's quite interesting, right? On that same year, that was 1980. That was exactly the same year that I watched the SAS storm the Iranian embassy in London. And you know that was that almost when I saw that that sowed the seed it was in this very same year I got attacked by the chimp I only just realized that a, a, a few months ago um and that that really sowed the seed for me of of the military sort of it turned me to the military um it was actually at fourteen I made that decision you know i, I had after that attack ten years old, my life went i was I was crazy I had no I was void of consequence I was um absolutely on a path of just pushing my limits beyond belief. And then at 14 I went I'm joining the Royal Marines. And and you know at the time I thought nothing of that. But when I look at like my son, he didn't know what he wanted to do until about a year ago and he's 19 now. Um and it was a very sort of, you know, it was a very passionate and very um strong, fast decision that I was going to join the Royal Marines um, at 14. So really from that moment on, you know, it's my, my mum really did offer me some support. You know, I'd been in trouble with the police and all kinds of destructive behavior that was leading me to a very, uh, down the wrong, wrong road. Um, and it wasn't, it was my mum that really put some energy and focus into really directing my energy, um, to, to join the military. So I, I, I sometimes question, I, I I didn't seem like there was anything in the world that I wanted to do other than that. And I, I do honestly believe that is in direct, um, correlation to that attack at 10 years old. I think it was something that, you know, I wanted, you know, the thing is I look back now and it's easy to say in hindsight, but I wanted to be at war. I was looking for a war and I wanted to be on the front line in war every day. And, um, and that's what I was chasing. And, um, you know, to cut a long story short, I, 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 I found that war, and um, I was very dissatisfied. You know, with the physical war that was out there, Northern Ireland, Iraq, and everything. And it took me a long time to realize that the war wasn't external; it was internal. And um, you know, I had to deal with the internal, and it wasn't an external fix that was going to going to th- going to make me right. It, it wasn't until. You know, till years and years later, till um, 2011, you know, and that was um, 2011 that I really started to realize that happiness, fulfillment, everything is not external. It's something that's internal. And that was a switch that changed in me and changed my life.
0: Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And I've had guests on in the past, whether it's policemen, former Marines who did um, join the Marines in the United States. And as I said, many other relatable type of kind of military careers. But one thing you mentioned there was hindsight and everything obviously is clearer looking back on it um, rather than ac- actually at the time. But like I suppose this is a, a double question, so to speak. Like, was there a moment when you joined the Marines, Marines at such an early age where you fully felt overwhelmed? And then to follow up on that, and I ask this quite a lot, is... Do you feel that maybe if you were a bit more experienced, say in your mid-20s, and you joined the Marines then, do you think you maybe would have gotten more or maybe even less out of your experience being in the
1: military? Yeah, to be honest, I don't think that whatever I'd have done I don't think it was the, ex, you know, it, it, the fact of the matter is when I look back now, and I've only just like, you know, like you, you stated before, I've only just dealt with that incident um, recently. Um, but really, yeah. I don't think anything that I'd have found would have satisfied me because it, I wasn't balanced. I wasn't, you know, there was It it was, it was, it was an imbalance within me. So regardless of what I'd have achieved or done, It just, I wouldn't have felt satisfied and I didn't, even when I, you know, pushed forward, I couldn't find what I was looking for in the Royal Marines. So then I decided to go for special forces, got to the special forces. And then it was the same there. And I just failed to feel like I'd achieved actually anything. Although I, you know, it was massive to join the special forces at, you know, 23, 24 years old, but I, and I just started thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? Why can't I feel like I've achieved anything? Why can't I feel satisfied? Why can't I feel fulfilled? So I don't believe, if, even if it was later, um, that that would have happened. I think really for me is the way I look at it, right, is, uh, again, hindsight. Wonderful thing, but never won any wars. But the thing for me is we all change a dream based on an image, all right? And for me, I was in love with the perception of who have been a Royal Marine commander, being a soldier on the front line, being in war, you know, this sort of heroic lifestyle. I fell in love with that image. And when I actually got there, the feeling was very different to the image. And this is where we, where we do make mistakes in life. People are looking for the perfect picture. You know what I mean? Whether that's the, the, you know, not, not whether that's their marriage, the, you know, their relationships, their jobs, the perfect house, this and the other and we kind of don't really um give full praise it's really about a feeling and not the image and we don't appreciate that that's why so many people get to where they think that they're supposed to be and then they realize they don't actually feel that great about what they've achieved you know because we're chasing this image we're always chasing this image and and really it should be it's a feeling that we we we're, we're looking to to um we need to feel like we've achieved something. We need to feel in the right place. We feel like we've found our purpose. I didn't find that till, um I did you know, went out to Southeast Asia and 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 ended up um, working to bust kids out of child prostitution and slavery uh, over there, which was the most fulfilling and humbling thing I've ever done in my life. And that's finally when I found my purpose.
0: And I suppose even just to nearly stay on that point you were saying there about ultimately you found your purpose... Um, on in your life and you're chasing this idea or this dream you had um, in the military. And like in the book, Battle Ready, you, you talked about, say, when you were joining the Marines, you had some people close to you who questioned the desi- decision. And like every everyone who listens to this, whether it's a job decision, sporting decision, a relationship decision, there's always opinions uh, saying, oh, yeah, do that, don't do that. And there will always be people filled with doubts. And one of the questions that someone wanted to ask, and also I wanted to ask as well, is like, what is the best way to harness, say, the negative energy or the negative feedback you ultimately will encounter, whether it's, as I said, trying something new, doing a physical challenge, just changing your routine, um, and how do you actually use that to, you know, to aid you and to give you, you know, power ahead of the challenge or the change?
1: I'll tell you what I think it's just the way you frame it really, um, for me, and people take it to you know different ways. Um, people doubting me is some of the best encouragement I've ever had, and mm. really that is the way I frame it. you know I, I almost want people when i I almost want people to tell me I can't do something, I can't achieve something, which really gives me the grit and determination to prove them wrong now, whether that's right or wrong, you know, some people people might say, well, that's a, that's the wrong kind of vibration. That's the wrong kind of attitude. I don't really care because it gets me to where I want to be. So, you know, other people look at that, you know, self-doubt can kill more dreams than anything. And where that self-doubt can be either self-created or inherited but from someone else. You've got to understand when people doubt you, it's really because they doubt themselves. And, you know, you should not allow that self-doubt to ruin your belief in yourself, you know, and that's, that's something that I've had along my path all the way throughout my career. you know people saying you can't do it you couldn't do that. I can remember a teacher when I was fourteen years old in school um, and I wasn't paying attention in math so I had no interest in, you know I got to a certain point in school and I was just like that ah, this has got this has got no I don't see the point of what I'm doing and yeah. I had no enthusiasm or passion to be there and it's, that wasn't because I was thick that was just because I'm just wasn't the ac- academic type um but i can always remember you know teachers saying will you pay attention i was like i'm not interested and he was like you know and i stated i said i can remember standing up in 14 years old in my math class and going i don't i don't really care about this I'm, I'm joining the royal marines and he just laughed and he went you haven't got the discipline to join the royal marines and it was people like that that really helped me on my journey to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Um, and I, I find it really damaging when, you know, some people, you know, and it can be close family members. It's not Sometimes it's not just the case that they're doubting themselves. They're just trying to protect the person that they love because they don't want to see them fail. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can't wrap people in cotton wool. You've got to let people go out there. Failure is, is really, you know, you've got failure as well. I'm going to keep on failing for the rest of my life. Because I learned so much from that. It almost, and it also tells me that I'm achieving. When I stop failing, it means that I've, I'm taking it easy. And really, you know, success to me is a series of failures and you learn so much from that. So, you know, I'm sick of people out there. There's so many people doing it. faking perfection. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep on failing for the rest of my life. So people have got to really understand that when people doubt you, you know you you've got to tr- you've got to sort of allow yourself to believe that that is them that that the problem lies with them not with you and you should still follow your dreams and don't let someone else's reflection of your abilities uh damage your progress to where you want to be
0: yeah no and no, i completely agree where you're coming from there ollie and i do think in society or whether it's as i said immediate family friends I'd see it a lot where failure is something that isn't encouraged. And I, I'm not saying like people should be telling everyone, oh, no, go. It's fine. Just fail all the time. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it can be a crucial learning tool. And whether it's me, whether it's yourself, whether it's anyone listening to this podcast, we've all experienced it in some way uh, along the line. And I was just wondering, is there any moment in your life, whether it was you know recently, whether it was quite a while back like do you see a moment in your life and think that was my biggest failure and also if you do have a point where you can associate that as your biggest failure would you go back and try and change it if you had the chance or do you view it as a a crucial moment in your life that actually helped you gain perspective and ultimately improve
1: yeah i mean i've got one um one particular moment that i would fit into that um sort of uh what that kind of area and that was really around about 2011 um you know it's a big year for me that 2011 um because that was the year that you know I I'd, I'd invested everything to go out to southeast asia to work on these operations to rescue these kids um I wasn't getting paid for it yeah. um I then you know, stumbled across something that was amazing, and that was the power of helping other people, which I think in this day and age, a lot of people don't understand the wealth uh, or the investment in doing exactly that. You know, everyone's fighting for the most social media followers. Everyone's fighting for, even in a close-knit team, sporting team or, or a corporate organization, people are, you know, fighting against each other to get the most recognition. Uh, but really for me, you know, that, that was... An amazing event that happened. However, it came to um, it, it fell down overnight. You know, it caused a political incident. We had to escape out of Thailand. Um, and then when I came, I was living in Australia. I came back to Australia at that point, and my drinking just got out of control. I was going in a in a flat spin of absolute despair. My life was going nowhere. I just didn't know where to turn. Suffering from mental health issues, and although you know. I felt like an absolute failure. You know, and I look back, it was it was almost a massive point of reflection for me. I'd almost been going through my life at MAC-10, going bouncing from thing to thing, all these external fixes to war zones, here, there, everywhere, just, you know, partying. It was like a mental lifestyle. It was either working in a, a war zone or a party animal when I was home because I was living every, every day like it was its last. And then it came to a crashing halt when I came back from you know, got out of Thailand and got back to Australia. And I did absolutely feel like a, a, an amazing, you know, absolute monumental failure. Um, now, would I go back and change that? I would not, I would not change that. I would not, you know, the only thing that I would, the thing is with me, I won't, I won't sit there and regret and say, because everything that's happened up to now is made me who I am today. And I'm the happiest I've ever been. Now that, that, the, who I am today is because that, path has been carved um through some good things and also through through bad situations bad situations and good so i can't sort of sit there going i wish i i wish it was different you know i I couldn't say that because where i am today is is due to the path I've 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 trod trodden Um, but you know one thing i will say is i did make life hard for myself by not being able to talk to anyone seeing the um sort of seeing that sort of opening up emotionally as some kind of weakness it's not just opening up and, and showing some kind of weakness it's the fact that um yeah our ego doesn't want people you know we everyone is so invested in creating the perception of happiness that mm. they really do you know that the real person who they are become the byproducts of that perception this person that we we all do it and you know we all do this we all create this this person that we looks great from the outside looking in and we invest so much energy into that and really you know we we we're quite prepared to compromise our own emotional state just to make this image look great from the outside looking in and um and that was me really you know i was scared to actually tell people that that story that this perception that i created wasn't the truth and you know i think that's a very foolish or not foolish it's you know it's a very hard route to take when you're like that especially when you're suffering so you know i there was a big smile on my face for, to the external world there was a big and but behind that smile it was like it was not the truth it was it was it, absolutely not the truth and so the biggest mistake for me the biggest failing for me is the fact that i couldn't open up and talk to anyone
0: it's quite relatable like one of the last guests i had on was a uh an opioid addiction, and even a social media addiction kind of counsellor. And like whether it's young people, whether it's people in their 50s or 60s, one of the main battles I think we have at the moment, and as you mentioned there, is just the projection at the moment and the power, say, social media has. It's obviously a, a magnificent tool for, as I said, marketing, for businesses, for creating content letting fans stay in touch with what you are but then there's also the other side to it where you as you related your own self personally there's you know you have to project this image and kind of just keep things condensed beneath the surface and kind of live a second life on the outside and like I suppose there's definitely going to be people listening and I've even had people messaging before whether it was previous podcasts on the topic like what you reckon are some of the best bits of advice you could give to someone who i'm not saying we're in the same um shoes as you with regards to the lifestyle of the the tendency towards alcohol but people who may be struggling or people who feel like they've lost their purpose or lost their true identity like would you have any advice to them whether they're young old or whatever age
1: yeah i think i think i've got loads of advice for them and um loads of advice really based on the mistakes that i've made but um one thing i'd say is first of all you've got a lot of people are embarrassed to sort of admit they've got some issues going on and that's really they feel embarrassed because a lot of people say well i haven't been to a war zone i haven't you know nothing major has happened to me you've got to stop comparing you've got to really understand that if your baseline if your baseline on life is consistently below par okay you consistently feel sort of below the baseline then you have some kind of issues that you need to deal with there's no checklist there's no you have had to have gone to a war zone done that done this done that Uh, you know that the military doesn't own ptsd as well so really it's about dropping all that and feeling you know embarrassed that you're having any kind of issue what will happen as well when you get into that sort of area of not feeling great you feel like you're in a you know, a repeat cycle of absolutely pointless nothings, which I was at some uh, at one point in my life, that what you'll tend to do is you, you'll start comparing with other people that have got these great, fantastic lives. And, and you know, Instagram is, is a perfect example for that. So you'll sit there, then you'll start to become, you know, I want my life to be like someone else. You start dreaming of being this other person. And really, you've got to stop comparing because the difference between you and them is too much of a bridge, bridge to gap. What you have to do is be one hundred percent with uh, honest with who you are and where you are right now, identify any issues that are um, affecting where you are today like for me it was it was being honest with myself that drinking was not drinking and partying it was a short you know it was a, the opposite of what I promote, and that is short term comfort okay but that leads to long term pain as far as I'm concerned, you know, I I had to start evaluating the things, the habits, the routines, the everything that I was doing in my life. Was it productive mentally and, and to my sort of career path and, and everything. And that's when I was really honest with myself and going, you drinking too much, you know, this is not, this is not helping you. And, um, you know, it's being honest with yourself, drinking drugs, everything, and it was. And, and from there, I was able to create a solid platform, a solid foundation to work from. But if you can't be honest with yourself and you can't be true, and just appreciate where you are, and you compare to, you know, your life to to someone else, you, you're never going to get anywhere above the baseline of your current situation.
0: Yeah. So, like, I think there's a lot of relatable advice in there, and as you were saying the compare the comparing culture we're in as in a lot of your experience are different to my experience but maybe the the lessons learned that the emotions we both kind of experience through our own struggles would tend to be somewhat the same and i think there were points that you kind of touched on there which is obviously important and one of the questions i got just about like kind of what you've done recently and a big part of you you've done some tv shows you've as I said, you've written books and like the two main books you've written that are kind of about your learnings and um, are entitled Breakpoint and Battle Ready and for mm-hmm. say some of the listeners who aren't say familiar with your work or, are somewhat intrigued, hopefully intrigued after listening to this, like when you think of the words "breakpoints" and the content that was in that book and Battle Ready and the content was in that book, what are kind of the main key topics you talk about?
1: Yeah, I mean, Breakpoint is really, uh, that, that book was a, a biography. It, it really created the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, understanding of who I am, of what, I've, and what I've been, been through. I see both books, Battle Ready and Breakpoint, as although it wasn't autobiography, it's very much on, I, I see it as a self-development type book anyway, because there's a lot of tips and, and things that I went through and a lot of advice. Um, but really, you know, it's the, the, the first one is the theory of Breakpoint about you know short-term discomfort for long-term gain um and really the second one is that moment in 2011 when i came crashing down and it was the process and the uh that i put myself into um in in 2014 um when i ne- knew i ne- needed to make some changes you know i needed to really start investing in myself you know understanding that the external happiness wasn't uh you know it wasn't out there And it was, um, I put myself into self-isolation for two months and that was, that was really, um, what the content of Battle Ready is. It's a process. It's almost like a boot camp of, um, of mind, body and nutrition. And, um, and it's processes that I still do to this day. I did this morning, I did yesterday and I'll do tomorrow. So it's really, Battle Ready is really a call to action for people to how they can ask themselves some questions about their life evaluate where they're at and really to start making some positive, um, uh, positive choices for the future. Um, and really, it's about, you know, you've got to understand with everything you want to achieve, everything you want to, you want to change, you've got to have a why. If you don't have a why, you'll never have a, have a how. You know, so, you know, about if you want to give up alcohol, you've got to have a reason why you want to do that. You know, you can't just say, I want to give up alcohol. You've got to have a reason. And that's about setting goals, creating a pathway for that. It's understanding as well. You know, a big part of my book is understanding how we we're wired as humans. Um because no one a lot of people we just we're just born into this skin as kids and um, and then we just everyone thinks they're experts. You know, if a a mechanic doesn't know how to fix a car, motorbike or anything until he knows how it works and we're no different.
0: Yeah, no that's a good point. My local <laughs> my local mechanic may uh <laughs> disagree with that, but I know <laughs> I completely get where you're getting from yeah. and one of the things I wanted to ask you, Ali, and as I said, another person also was intrigued about the topic as well. Um, so basically, this week on Friday, and um, a bit of inspiration came from yourself and a few other YouTube videos that I watched in which I'm doing a 100-kilometer 100, 100 walk within 24-hour periods, mainly because of ultimately to raise money for charity, but ultimately the idea of mind over matter and as you said uh, in multiple other interviews like being in a state where your mind can be stronger than your will stronger than your body and a lot of people over say the lockdown and whether you look at your instagram feeds or even turn on the news a lot of these physical kind of challenges have been put down a lot of these markers a lot of people will use this as a chance to as you said maybe give up alcohol give up smoke and maybe tailor back a drug addiction whatever it may be like one of the questions i got was obviously a key part of that is you know mind over matter mind over your body mm. but is there ever a point and maybe this would be more suited to a physical uh, challenge like say a marathon is there ever a, cha- a point where your mind is simply too strong for your body and you need to be able to somewhat tailor that to this uh, kind of moment where your mind can recognize when the body's about to fail because I've heard of some David Goggins crazy stuff where broken bones have happened and he's continued through marathons and runs and all that but do you think there's a balance and act between that where you condition your mind to be strong enough but ultimately for it to be able to do uh, too much yeah,
1: yeah no I, I can relate a lot to that because I, I mean I did two selections those again that have read the book you know I did two selections and um, for special forces um, almost back to back. Um, and the second one I went through, I pretty much broke my ankle on the, sele- on the early days on selection. And it got to a point where they said to me, you know, you, you're going to fail this. And if you fail, you it, w- it, it was my second time through. If you fail the second time, you will never be able to come back. So they said they wanted to give me a medical withdrawal for that. And that, which would have meant that I could have come back for a, for a third time and i refused to do that and it almost turned like into they almost looked at me like i was stupid and said you're going to fail and it's such a waste and blah 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 but for me it was about i just thought to myself it's now or never and i have to try and get through this pain and i and, and i did exactly that you know i the next day i strapped it up i took loads of proof and strapped it up with with strapping tape and then i cracked on with with Special Forces Selection, I was in tears the next day. It was it was hideous. And um, I managed to obviously get through and, and make the times, only just, and then the, the ankle started getting a little bit stronger as time went on, but um, th- that initial pain was hideous. Um, and then, so there was, there was that occasion for me. And then also when I sort of, you know, after that period, 2011, when I started to get myself back on track, and then I became addicted, absolutely addicted to physical exercise and i was working out three times almost four times a day and my body although it looked aesthetically pleasing it was in rag it was an absolute rag mm. and i was definitely one of those people you know we turned i was yeah i, I was definitely over training it wasn't doing my body any good whatsoever i was totally i look. i looked great my body did. My face didn't because I'd, I'd lost so much weight in my face and everything. But, you know, I was so addicted to it and I wasn't doing myself any favors whatsoever. And it was like my body was just crying to just stop and, and rest. And, um, you know, for me, it was just like in my mind, I was like I wanted more, more, more. And I, I became addicted to, to, to exercise and, and also addicted to the attention I was getting for being yeah, you know, i was ripped at the time absolutely ripped which is you know i was addicted to people saying oh look how great you look well, look how fit you look um and really it was it was me that was suffering you know again it was it was again it was me trying to really putting everything into trying to look great when i really didn't feel great behind however it looked so you know i i i can totally relate to that you know um, because there's two is, you know, once you go there over the edge of that, I mean, the other side of that is that you, you, you know, the, the mind will give up way before the body generally, yeah. generally speaking, but yeah, there is the, there is also the problem where you can then um overtrain and you're not doing your body any good whatsoever and rest is extremely important also i used to be i used to think it was great saying hey i only sleep four hours a night because i'm such a legend you know and
0: I, <laughs> I used to think i was same here yeah <laughs> you
1: know what i mean it's like yeah yeah i only need four hours sleep and um you know that's ridiculous i now know that that is ridiculous because sleep is your best weapon that you've got you know, it's when the body sort of recalibrates, really starts to re-energize. And sleep is absolutely so important. And that that for me, again, was, you know, when it came to drinking, I, I realized that really all the time I was drinking and, and uh, alcohol was quite a big part of my life, um, you don't really sleep. And I didn't really sleep for years and years and years. And, and the strain that puts on your body, body and your mind is ridiculous so um yeah i can absolutely relate to that and i I think people need to really understand that you you know rest is also i I consider like rest is also you need to have rest um in your um you know scheduled into your week regularly you need to have a a definite routine where rest is part of a, a part of that um training process yeah
0: well said and Ollie like nowadays and it just takes a quick look at your Instagram that you're you're still very active and all that. Like obviously you've as you said, you've gone through every up and down a, a fitness fanatic can go through. Mm. Like what would your your general week look like now from a an exercise point of view? Because I think a lot of people now with the lockdowns all over Europe they've realised how important exercise and fitness may be in any way, shape or form. But for yourself like what would the go-to be whether it's gym work whether it's running whether it's a mix of both a crossfit type workout like what, yeah.
1: what's your go-to these days yeah well for me it's i i almost treat my working you know my working week is is all you know my exercise program is also my, my working week now you know i'm a big believer in you your, your greatest project is you you know that has to be your your focus so for me i mean it's it's so important i get up at five o'clock every day in the week in the week this is um so let's look at this morning this is my perfect day really i get up at five o'clock in the morning come downstairs i then have a very um uh nutritious drink now you've got to understand that when you're asleep you're in a fasted state for six to eight hours um a lot of people um, do the worst thing you can do to your body and come down and stick caffeine straight into your body. And that is, you know, something I learned that is, I like coffee, but you know, you, you've got to put something nutritious into your body. So i come downstairs and I I, I won't go through the cocktail because it's quite long winded, but simply having warm water and, and squeezed lemon into, into the water is, is like what your body's is dying for. So many, so many nutrients in that. Um, And then I go into meditation. Meditation for me is my focused attention at my intention. So really, it's about me focusing on my short term, medium term, long term goals. Um, And that really helps me start to really focus. You you know, our heads have got 70,000 to 100,000 thoughts uh, going around each day. Um, and it's really important that we choose to align with the things that we do want. Otherwise, we end up with a load of stuff we don't. And then once I've done that, I usually do that 20 to 25 minutes, which is a guided meditation. There's loads of them on YouTube. You can find them anywhere for everything from um, abundance to goal setting to relation, whatever it is. You can find it on, on YouTube. Really good resources. Uh, once I've done that, I then try and do some, um, I don't try, I then go and do a run. I usually take the dog out, go for a run, uh, and then when I come back, I'm, I'm then back in the house for seven o'clock, and then I'm, I'm I'm at my desk. And the reason, you know, people think about fitness and they think, well, fitness is going to the gym or fitness is 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 going for a run. Fitness for me is that meditation as well. You know, it's mental fitness. You know, I think, and and that's what my you know, every day should look like that. I focus on my mind, body and nutrition every day. And that is the 360 degree approach. Um, and that's the, you know, we've got a fitness app, me and Foxy from the, from the SAS who does win show. I've got a fitness app that is called, but 360. Um, so that is my routine every day. Now, once I've done that, it doesn't matter what happens to me every day. If I have a crap day, every day for me has been an absolute success. And that's what I do from Monday to Friday on Saturday and the weekend in general, I won't, you know, I won't get up. I'll just get up when I want. So, a lion for me is probably half past seven. Um, but I won't have any strict agenda on the Saturday. On the Sunday, and then what I'll do, I'll go out for a long walk on the hills with the dog, probably Saturday. On Sunday, I will then go for a bit of a longer run in the morning. Um, and then it starts on the Monday again. And that is my routine. And that is for me, I really notice the effects of, it has on my mental state when I don't do it, um, you know, so it's really important that I maintain. Sometimes if I miss it for a few days, it really does um, affect my mental state. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really important for me that I carry on, um, that, that that is part of my everyday or every week routine
0: yeah no i agree and i even think to lock down the days where i've felt down in the dumps have been the days where i've just sat at home feeling sorry for myself and not going out for at least a walk or something somewhat stimulating the yep. brain or even the body so i'd be completely agreeable with that and i suppose last thing i'd just like to ask just before we get into the quick fire around to wrap it up is obviously you're busy writing books as I said even the scar tissue fiction piece that is somewhat you know uh, kind of by your own experiences and also elements of fiction in it as well like what does are you one of these type of people that plan what's going to happen in the next year five years like what do you see yourself getting involved in because you've got so many projects as I said from fitness to tv to books to your own well-being to public speaking? Like, do you have any projects up and coming? Or is it very much what you're doing at the moment is what do you want to keep doing and even just get better at?
1: Yeah, well, I've I've made a promise to my team. Well, I've been... I wouldn't say I've made a promise to my team. It's my team that have told me that I'm, I'm not allowed to come up with any new ideas for the next six months. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, know exactly. So really, I mean, it's about breakpoint, which is, you know, that's taken a bit of a knock this year because it's quite front facing. So the corporate training yeah. side of stuff and, and the public courses, um, but you know, that, that will, uh, you know, next year we've got, still got, you know, to, to crack on back on with the, uh, with uh, with breakpoint, then the Battle Ready 360 app at the moment, which is um, something that you know we've got, you know, a five year plan for, um, but it's really making that bigger and better and 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 really um, taking that globally as far as we can, um, and that's happening. I mean, we've just come up with the Battle Box, which is a basically a gym in a box, um, which is then aligns with the with the app with the, with the workouts, and we've got an online platform being built um where people will be able to you know basically log on and stream their workouts anywhere in the world live workouts so that really for me is that and then i've got my own company which is double global and that is all my books and my uh you know motivational talks so really for me it's about just continuing that path and, and really start to, um, to really spread out and make those things established as, as, as far and wide as possible. But the bottom line is with everything I do, my mission is to, um, inspire as many people as possible. And my mission statement is to create globally, globally identified brands recognized for the positive growth and development of others. So, you know, that is my mission. That is my focus. And anything that comes under that umbrella, um, I will be taking part in. But really, the TV stuff is really a... Um, uh, that's really been a tool for me to create exposure and um, has given me the ability to be a voice.
0: Yeah. No, and as, as I, I've been uh, shown to myself, like a lot of the stuff you are doing, it's it's very kind of profitable. It's very kind of inspirational. It's also very beneficial for individuals. So... As I say to all my listeners or anyone I speak to you about you, um, there will be a link. I'll pop it in below this podcast. I'll also attach it to all the social media outlets. So, And I've seen your website. It pretty much covers absolutely everything um, that you do, whether, as I said, it's public speaking, fitness work, or your books. So if anyone is interested in that work, I will leave that. and. Lastly, um, Ollie, just the uncomfortable part of the podcast <laughs> is just the quick fire round. And yeah. I know how busy you are. So we'll just bang out a few Short questions and then I can let you enjoy Pretty your evening.
1: Short term discomfort, long term gain. <laughs> yeah, precisely.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll start off with an easy one. Your favorite film of all time? That's not easy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, well, yeah.
1: Oh God, it's a hard one for me, but, um, heat.
0: Brilliant film. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Heat. Yeah. Uh, the strangest thing you've seen in combat.
1: Um, strangest thing I've seen in combat. Um, tripping over a room full of cannabis while on a, (laughs) yeah, going into a, going into a, a locked container on a ship, which was full of drugs and, uh, all the lads falling over the, all the drugs within that room. It was, it was comical mate. It was absolutely comical <laughs> and I'm pretty sure was <laughs> a yeah, like smell in there that was so pungent. Um, it hit us straight in the face and the next thing everyone's giggling. It was absolutely, it was funny. <laughs> it was
0: funny. Something <laughs> out of a set Rogan film. Um, <laughs> So, your favorite sporting moment um, of your life and why? It can be personal or else it can be a famous sporting team or individual.
1: Uh, I'll take that personal one. And that was when I was um, at school and I won the 1500 meters um, at school. And that was the last time I walked away from there and never went back to school after that. Um, Go
0: out in the high, so to speak.
1: Yeah. 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 No, it, it was interesting because I got in a lot of trouble as a kid at school. And, um, you know, I was elected as like the school captain, team captain. And, and the school teachers rejected that because I'd been in trouble with the police. And then I went to sports day and I absolutely smashed it, rinsed everyone, and then just didn't even stay around to get the, uh, the, the medals or the trophies and walked away from school and never came back. <laughs> Proudest moment. Oh,
0: Jesus. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that is i'd
0: like to have been in the crowd seeing that win the win the race and just keep running straight out the front gate
1: so would i Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh,
0: your least favorite exercise or machine in the gym
1: my least favorite exercise has got to be burpees my worst bit of kit that i've ever bought is an assault bike Yeah, because there's demons trapped inside the assault bike, I'm pretty sure. I'll tell you what, people talk about how do they slow life down because it's going too fast. Sit yourself on an assault bike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good shout Uh,
0: And this was by one of the listeners um, who's obviously a a follower of yourself. Are Labradors the best type of dog? And if yes, why?
1: Labradors are the best type of dog. I never knew that I could get so flipping um be so in love with the now and the more as much as my dog Murphy and um I don't know he's just so loyal he's he's just the best thing ever he's just like so loyal always there always got a smile on his face and he does smile I've never known a dog that smiles but he does smile and um yeah he's just um and he looks great
0: a solid companion and yeah lastly oh no second lastly another one here um what is your favorite song and is there any story as to why it is your favorite
1: god i've got loads of favorite songs but um this is a bit of a weird one and people will be surprised at this um oh god i can't even remember the name of it (laughs) hold on Um, Ruda Silva Touch Me okay you know that one (laughs) any reason for it I just love it I think it's just such a brilliant song I think it was actually in a film called Layer Cake as well Um, or could have been but it's just it was a moment in my life it was like yeah that it just I love I love like, like dance music always I have loved dance music and that is one song that you know is is timeless for me,
0: good stuff, and last but not least, the most difficult quick fire by most guests' estimation. describe yourself in three words:
1: stubborn, determined, and focused, yeah, that sounds like you've prepped that quite well. I <laughs> just know I know. Myself. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good thing and a bad thing.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, listen, Ollie, um, thanks a million for your honesty. I'm sure a lot of the listeners, especially the first-time listeners, will be very much engaged with the stories you've had to tell and also the experiences and kind of the learnings you've elaborated on today. So I want to thank you for that. Um, it's always very, very enjoyable to listen to someone be quite thorough and frank with everything they talk about, so I appreciate that. And as I said, any of the listeners who are interested in what you do, as I said, a quick Google, a YouTube. If you want to click on the link below this, I'll link your website. Um, and as I said, you're you're very busy at the moment, so there's a there's a huge amount of content attached to your name at the moment. It's very accessible, so I'll um I'll make sure to post all that information as well. i yeah, no, thanks, thank great. you.
1: Thanks, man. I'd also like to say to everyone, though, that um, my story sounds overwhelming, but I just want people to understand that they have such amazing power as human beings. And it's hard to sometimes understand what we're capable of. But all you got to do is start pushing and um, start embracing that short-term discomfort
0: well said well i'll start that on my 100k walk on friday but uh well good no luck well. with
1: that mate and listen thanks for having me on the on your on your podcast it's amazing so um yeah really really uh thankful for that
0: no worries are listen stay safe and all the best okay cheers buddy take care thanks man.